Well, one time there was a guy and, and, and he was feeling a little bit lonely. He was feeling a little bit lonely. And so he thought to himself, I know what I'll do. I'll go down to the pet store and I'll get myself a pet. That's gonna make me feel better. You know, I mean, you know, that's, that, that'll, that'll give me some company. So he goes down to the local pet shop and the clerk there behind the counter says, okay, sir, how can I help you? He said, well, I'm kind of feeling lonely. I'm looking for a pet to keep me company. Do you have any suggestions? Clerk thinks, I have just the pet for you. It's one of a kind. In fact, there's only one in the entire planet, one in the world. It's just like this. Guy gets a little excited. He says, well, tell me, what is it? It's a talking centipede. Talking centipede. Well, you know, one of those creatures like a hundred little legs. It's like, what, talking centipede? I don't know. He brings it out. Sure enough, the centipedes start talking to the clerk. The guy thinks about it. He goes, man, this is exactly what I need. This, this little centipede is not going to make me lonely anymore. He's, he, we're going to be friends. So he buys the centipede. The guy puts him in a little white box and he brings him home. Well, after a couple days uh, goes by and the guy's kind of nervous. He hasn't said anything to the centipede yet. Well, Sunday morning rolls around and he thinks to himself, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite him to go to church with me. That's going to be a good way to break the ice, all right? So what does he do? He, he goes down next to the box and he says, hey, Mr. Centipede, how would you like to go to church with me? He doesn't say anything in return. Ah, the guy's disappointed. He's discouraged already. He says, well, well maybe, maybe I need to encourage him. Tell him how good it's going to be. So, hey, Mr. Centipede, how would you like to go to church with me today? It's going to be so great. It's going to be so much fun. Still nothing. Ah, oh, man, he sits back. He's like, well, maybe he's sleeping. You know, I don't know how centipedes are. Maybe he's sleeping. He gets that. He yells next to the box, Mr. Centipede, how would you like to go to church with me today? Centipede responds right away. Hey, you don't have to yell at me. I heard you the first time. I'm still putting on my shoes. Just let that sink in for a minute. It'll, 10 minutes or so, you'll laugh, I promise. Yeah, you'll... If anything, at lunch day, you'll be like, man, this guy said the most horrible joke. You're like, you should never be said ever. Listen, we're in a sermon series today. It's not called Centipede Says. It's called Jesus Said. And the point of this series is to hear the words of Jesus and apply them to our lives. We want to put ourselves in the scene. We want God to speak to us through his son, Jesus, by his own very words. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives a discourse on practical living to every single person living to him, listening to him. He has a spot in the middle of it where he addresses this idea of fasting. And as we're getting ready to kick off our week of prayer and fasting, that's what I want to talk to you about today. It's a statement that Jesus said. It's Matthew 6, 16. It's very simple. We're just going to look at the first three words for right now. It says, when you fast. When you fast. There's a little bit of an expectation there. You know, my wife and I, we have children, and, and maybe at the end of dinner, I have a little bit of an expectation with my children. I'll say, hey, when you clean the table, I want you to wipe it down when you're finished. It's, it's not a command. It's not a, you will clean the table right now, and you will wipe it down. But there's a little bit of an expectation. I'm expecting them to, what? Clear off the table and wipe it down when they're done. There's an expectation to fast. Jesus expects his followers to fast. That's what he means when he says this. But what is fasting? I mean, I think sometimes we're not really sure what it is the Bible talks about when, when it talks about fasting to us when Jesus says this. Fasting simply is this. It's abstaining from something and at the same time replacing it with something else. I'm gonna to talk to you more about that. Fasting reminds the body and the emotions where they stand in the pecking order and trains the mind to focus on God. Fasting has always been really interesting to me. 
To be honest with you, I've read quite a few books on it. I've practiced it. I've experienced multiple fasts throughout my life. I even wrote some papers on it when I was in seminary. I just thought it was interesting. I think that's in part why Pastor Jimmy asked me to preach this specific message because fasting has always been something that I've really engaged in in my life. And all the learning that I've done, the books that I've, I've read, I'll be honest with you, it doesn't really help me understand fasting as much as the experience of fasting and actually practicing it. There's something about fasting that you have to engage in for you to really understand the power of God and how it unlocks this almost like secret in your life. It's not truly a secret. I mean, it's open for everybody, but this expectation that Jesus has in our life about when you fast, I wonder how much we're leaving on the table because we haven't fasted. I think there's some things that God has in store for us. I remember this time about 15 years ago when God was starting to speak to me. It was a big transition that I felt like my family and I were about to go through, but I had a lot of things going on in my life. I was working like 60 or 70 hours a week. My family was growing. My wife and I were having children. I mean, well, not my wife and I. My wife was having children, right? I was helping raise the children. And so we're having this time in our season in life. And and I remember God starting to speak to me, but I didn't feel like I could hear his voice clearly. I felt like God was wanting wanting me to make a transition between working in this job, in this business, and maybe going into a ministry full-time, like vocationally, like being paid to do that. And that was going to be a big shift for me all the way around, a big shift. So I remember sitting back and thinking, how can I know for sure that God is speaking to me? Because this is a really big move, a big transition. And I thought to myself, well, you know what? I need to fast. I need to fast. I need to hear God's voice clearly. So I decided to embark on the longest fast that I had done up to that point, which was 21 days. 21 days of prayer and fasting where I would drink only water and eat only fresh fruits and vegetables. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of like a T-bone steak and ice cream kind of guy, you know? So uh, fresh fruits and vegetables, that's not really my thing. Uh, I mean, I like them, but that's not all that I want to eat. And the idea of not having ice cream after dinner, I mean, you know, my father grew up, I grew up with my father owning an ice cream store. So like ice cream was like one of the five food groups, right? I mean, like you eat it every single day. It's what you do but I knew that I needed to hear from God. So day one starts and I I embark on this. It was the beginning of the year, about 15 years ago and day one, day two, day three, by day 10, 11, 12, man, God was really showing up because I I was taking away something in my life for God to be able to fill it with something else. I was taking away the normal eating habits that I had and God was filling it with his presence. How is that possible? How is that possible? I think that the transitions that we have in our life are a great time to fast when we're needing to hear from God about something specific. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking to yourself, man, I'm single and I really wanna get married. I wanna get married. Maybe, maybe you're looking at someone right now. Maybe you're dating someone right now. Maybe, maybe you're you know, with somebody and you're thinking, is this the person? That's a great time to fast. It's a great time to fast. Hear from God clearly. Maybe you're thinking about buying a house. Maybe it's your first house. Maybe you're thinking about it a year ago, but interest rates have went up a little bit, right? A building material has went up. So now you're thinking, is this still the time to buy a house? It's a great time to fast, great time. Maybe you're thinking about your new job. Maybe you have to move to a new state. Maybe you're thinking about a big career change. You know God's speaking to you, but you need to hear clearly. It's a great time to fast. Maybe you're thinking about moving away from the grandkids, moving away from your kids a little bit. Man, is this the time to move away? Man, we've been so close for so long. 
Now's the time to, maybe you're thinking about moving back to the kids. That's a good time to fast too. You're like, I don't know if I want to do that again, right? We just separated. We don't want to come back. There's a place in the Bible where some people really need to hear from God. They need to hear from God. They're getting ready to go on a journey. They're getting ready to start a transition. They're getting ready to do something great for God, but they needed to hear from him clearly. And look what it says in the book of Ezra. It's in Ezra 8.21. And Ezra here, he's going to gather the people of God. And look what he says that they're going to do. He says, then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before God to seek from him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our goods. So he prays for three things. And these are three specific things that he knows that he's gonna need for his journey. He prays for direction, he prays for the next generation, and he prays for provision. Those are three specific things. First, I wanna encourage you, when you start your week of prayer and fasting, as we kick it off tonight, think about something specific that you wanna pray for. Something specific that you know you need to hear from God on and you want him to move in your life. But look what Ezra says here. Before he prays, he fasts. And here's the key, he humbles himself. I think humbling ourselves before God, exactly what Ezra is teaching the people, is directly connected to how we get to see the results in our fast. We have to humble ourselves. We have to go before God. And honestly, the act of fasting is an act of humility because we're giving up something that we would normally, in a sense, have the right to. We're giving it up to God and we're saying, God, we're not gonna do that for this period of time because we wanna make a trade. We wanna give this up so we can hear from you. What's the opposite of humility though? It's pride. It's pride. See, pride is at the root of much of our problems in our lives. It blinds us. It deceives us and it destroys us. You know, there's many different definitions for pride in the Bible. In fact, when you look at the Old Testament and you look at the original language that the Old Testament was written in in Hebrew, there are 10 different definitions for our one English word of pride. And in the New Testament, when you look at it, there are two different definitions. So when you look out through in the entire Bible, there are 12 different definitions for our single word for pride. But when you boil them all down, you know what the most common definition is, is this. Pride equals elevating self. It's elevating self. It's when we put ourselves sometimes over God, and even sometimes we put ourselves over other people. In pride, we falsely lift ourselves up. We might think more highly of ourselves than we should. To be honest with you, it's a sin of the heart. It's a, it's a sin of attitude. Pride always brings opposition. And I'm sure that you already know that because we most often recognize our pride in others because of our own pride. Our pride reacts with theirs and vice versa. I'm sure we've been in situations like that, maybe with our family or, or at work or, or just a friend. There, there's times where we just have this interaction with people and we just kind of butt heads. But can I be honest with you? Opposition from people is not your biggest problem when it comes to pride. Look what James says. James chapter four, verse six. It says, but he gives more grace, talking about God here. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. See, God opposes pride. I want God's grace in my life. See, God's grace is a gift from God. What is God's grace? It's simply getting what I don't deserve. I want God's grace in my marriage. I want God's grace in my workplace. I want God's grace when I'm driving. My son, 
He just turned 16 years old. He's driving all around Columbia. You want God's grace in his driving, let me tell you. He's, he's, he's somewhere today, I'm sure. I mean, he's here right now, but somewhere this afternoon, he's gonna be driving around and you're gonna want God's grace on him. You're gonna want what he doesn't deserve, right? Because he just started driving. I promise you're gonna want that. Listen, I want God's grace when I order at restaurants. I want God's grace when I'm in the line at Walmart. I want God's grace. I want unexpected promotion. I want upgrades in my relationship. I want better seats on airplanes. I want financial raises. I want to swim in a river of God's grace. You know what I don't want? You know, the last thing I want is God opposing me. It's the last thing that I want. Pride is what God opposes. I can't have pride in my life. God knows that pride will destroy me. In fact, he says this in Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Remember, pride, pride blinds us. It deceives us and it destroys us. It never feels like the fall is imminent, does it? It never feels like it's right there. It never feels like it's right around the corner. It always feels like you're getting ahead, like you're winning. winning. But that's the brutal reality of pride. You cannot see what is really occurring in your life. That's what God's telling us there. Later in Proverbs, he says it again another way. Proverbs 29, 23. He says, one's pride will bring him low. See, here's the insidious nature of pride. Everyone else knows you have it before you do. That's the last thing we want. <laughs> the deceiving nature of pride is this, to underestimate your problems and to overestimate your capacity. <laughs> That's what you think. You think my problems are here, my capacity is here, and I got it all handled and taken care of. When the truth is, the situation's like this, and everybody else can see it except for who? right? It's numero uno. You, we can't see it. We can't see it because pride is in the way, but there's an answer. So one's pride will bring him low, but the second part of this verse says, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Humility looks good on everyone. Everyone. Pride's the order of the world. We start selfish and our desire is to elevate self. It's something we have to fight against. And this doesn't always mean that we have our noses up in the air. I know typically what we think about when someone, you know, shows the example of pride is someone that walks around is all haughty all the time and is pride filled. We even say that I think sometimes. But elevating self is to consider ourselves more than we ought. It can be pride to focus on our wants, our needs, our desires over someone else's wants, needs, and desires. Sometimes pride is just simply pointing all the fingers and the arrows towards us, even in what can feel like a moment of need. Anytime we elevate ourselves over someone else or over God, we are walking in pride, whatever that might look like. Humility precedes true greatness. You can take that statement to the bank. Humility always precedes true greatness. How do I know that? Because it's what Jesus taught his disciples when they were having an argument about who would be the greatest. See, Jesus didn't rebuke them for the desire. You know what he did instead? He showed them how. In Matthew 20, verse 25, it says, but Jesus called them to him and said, Jesus called his disciples, his closest followers to him. He said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. He's saying, listen, the, the way the world works is that they try to elevate their authority over each other and they try to stand in pride. They try to tell everybody else what to do. And, and, and what does Jesus say? Verse 26, it shall not be so among you. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you, here's the answer. 
you must be your servant. Must be, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as a son of man came to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, God has greatness planned in your life. He has greatness planned in your marriage. He has greatness planned in your workplace. He has greatness planned in your relationships and your friendships. But humility is the path to greatness. We have to lay our lives low. God has greatness. The key is humility. Let's walk in humility. I hope that what you're thinking right now is, Eric, I get it. I get it. Fasting is an opportunity for me to be able to walk in humility, trade something which I have a right to. We have a right to eat whatever food we want. We all have a right to watch, I mean, in essence, mostly whatever we want. We, we, can, we can do things. We can get up when we want to. We can go to bed when we want to. I mean, there isn't anyone really stopping us from doing those things. But instead, what we do is we, we trade. We say, God, we're going to give up what we can do and in trade, get something that we know that we need. Give up something we want to get something that we need. I hope you're asking yourself right now, okay, Eric, I'm bought into it. I agree. How do I actually practically do it? What does fasting actually look like? I'm going to go over with you a couple questions and answers. And I'll be honest with you, I stole this straight from Pastor Jimmy's message. Don't tell him, okay? He's just, she wasn't listening when I said that. We went over something uh, last year and the year before, and, and, and I think everybody's question and answers on fasting is really the same. I have the same questions that you do. How do you actually do it? What, what is the purpose of it? What are the goals of it? How, how do I actually make it happen? Here's the first question. What is the goal or the point of fasting? The first thing is this, to seek more of God, to seek more of God, to hear his voice better, to get clarity for direction, answers our decisions, our answers to decisions. We want his presence. We want him to be close to us. Can I tell you in my life, the times where I've made the best decisions is when I am the closest to God because he's right there whispering in my ear the things that I know that he thinks is best for me. You know, in scripture, it says that God is spirit. You know, sometimes it's hard to connect to God because we're so naturally focused we think, okay, this is, this is real, right? The car that I get in is real. The chair that you're sitting in right now that is real. Maybe the couch, if you're worshiping with us online that you're sitting in right now is real. You ever get jealous? I mean, the people at home watching online, they're sitting in their couches right now. We're here. No, I'm just kidding. Listen, the truth is, is that sometimes all those physical things get in the way of a reality that we live in a spiritual world. We're spiritual people. We're not just one-sided. In fact, we're tripartite, means we're three parts, we're body, soul, and spirit. You know what happens is the body is the loudest. So when we fast, we help silence the body so we can hear clearly from the spirit of God. So you wanna seek more of God. You wanna seek a move of God. Maybe you need some deliverance or a breakthrough in a certain circumstance. Fasting gives power to, power to prayer. Maybe there's an area in your life where you've just been dealing with it again and again and again. You think, man, when am I ever gonna move past this? When am I ever gonna get past this addiction? When am I ever gonna get past this breakthrough that I need in my life? I need God to move. It's a great time to fast. Strip it away. Let him come in strong and move in your life. You can also realign, remembering that God truly is there to speak to us. We kind of have a, a mantra here at Grace Life about fasting, and it's this. It says, our physical world is not our home. 
Our physical desires are not most important, and our physical body is not our God. That, that's, that's our mantra here at Grace Life Church when we think about fasting. Those things are not who we are. It's not. So how long should a fast be? And am I sinning if I break it early? First, I think that if it's a corporate fast, we, it's a good idea to follow what the church is doing, the whole church. You know, Pastor Jimmy and the elders and the lead team and, and the staff, we've been praying for you guys for every, I mean, every month, every year, every week, we come together and we pray for the church. We pray for people that come here. We, we pray for God's people. And a part of that is, is trying to hear from God about what is next for the next season of the church. And so God downloads things to Pastor Jimmy and the elders and the leaders, and we come together and we corporately fast because we believe that it's something that God has led us to do as a church. We don't just think it's a great idea. It's something that we feel like God has said, come together and fast twice a year for a week. We talk about it. Should we keep doing it? Should it be longer? Should it be shorter? It's very intentional. We feel like God has spoke that to us. In Joel 1.14, it says, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly. That's what we've done. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord, your God, and cry out to the Lord. We're crying out to the Lord as a church, as a group of people. Man, what an amazing opportunity we have to hear from God as he speaks to every single one of us. What if you break it early? It's not a sin. It's kind of like getting off the train early if you're on a way to somewhere. You might not arrive where you want to go. You know, if you're traveling from here to New York and you get off in the midway point, well, you're not getting out in the city, right? In New York City, you're getting out between here and there. You might not get where you really wanna go. How about this one? A lot of people have asked me this this last week. Is fasting food unhealthy? Is fasting food unhealthy? No, God created our bodies and God tells us to fast. So that statement alone, I want you to know it is not unhealthy for you to fast food. And the biblical example of fasting and the ones that Jesus did was to fast food. Now, most of the misery that we're going to expense when we limit our food in our lives is not hunger, but it's detoxing. I have experienced this multiple times in my life. Do you know why? Because when you take out things like sugar and caffeine and unhealthy carbs and fried stuff and sugar and caffeine and sugar and sugar and sugar, like I told you, I like T-bone steaks and ice cream, y'all. <laughs> when you take out ice cream, your body gets mad, <laughs> even for a week. <laughs> I'm telling you, I probably ice cream is the biggest thing I don't wanna give up, it's crazy. Man, it's so good. You, you ever, man, I, I won't tell you what, my ch chocolate ice cream, man, it's my favorite, it's so good. If they had dark chocolate ice cream, I wouldn't eat anything else. So don't even tell me if you can find it somewhere, please. They do, oh my goodness. Pastor Jimmy did that to me, that's so mean. It's <laughs> a mean man. All right, so why is food the normal way to fast? Food is the primary way to fast for two reasons. One is the most common biblical example. Um, and there's nothing as strong a hold on our physical bodies that will remind us as absent so consistently. Um, but I wanna share with you something. Again, I told you that we come together as a church and we think about it. Pastor Jimmy prays for us and the elders pray. There's something specific that we want to consider or, or, or have the church consider to fast with us on, and it's this, fasting things like TV, social media, uh, video games, things like that. Fasting something that's an outside influence, really. And those are my words, but what would it look like for an entire week, if we only had the Spirit of God, God Himself influencing us and speaking into our lives. Man, for some of us, I think that could rock our world. That could change us. 
I think we have so many things speaking into our lives because we're reading this here and, 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 and trying to understand that here and, and reading this news article here, pulling up this app there, which aren't necessarily bad things. I'm not saying that. But if that's the bulk of where we're hearing our sources from, then what do you think we're actually acting and starting to be shaped like? Well, it's what we're putting in, right? That's what gets ejected out. So if we want to look more like Jesus, we got to hear more from him than we do from everything else around us. You know, the great thing about that is it's so life-giving <laughs> because a lot of the things that we put into our lives every single day, it really doesn't feel that great on the inside anyways, to be honest with you. You start putting some more uh, God-centered focused things in your life, in your mind, in your thoughts, in your prayers, man, your life starts to turn around for the great, for the good. I want to encourage you to do that. Fast food, I'm going to fast some food this week, but I'm going to fast outside sources, outside influences pretty extremely. Let's cut some of that stuff out. So that brings us to a great question. What about fasting if you have medications that require food, are pregnant, or, physically, or have a physically strenuous job? First, let me say I'm not a doctor, but this actually speaks to me really clearly. I had a little infection that I had to get some medicine for this weekend. So I was planning to fast a pretty strict diet on food, and I, now I'm on this, this medication, just some uh, basic antibiotics, and, and it like messes with my stomach and my system and the whole thing. So I'm like, okay, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do? Well, there's some things that, that I can do. I can limit portion size for sure. Uh, I don't have to eat a Chinese buffet every day to take my medicine, right? <laughs> Amen. I mean, it might taste good, but I don't need to. Uh, another great idea is the fast that I talked to you about that I did in the beginning. Uh, you can do something that some people call a Daniel's fast, which is simple. It's no meat, no sweets, and no alcohol. No meats, no sweets, and no alcohol. Again, this is like King's stomach right here. So uh, he likes a T-bone steak. Uh, he likes ice cream. So that's something that if I just limit that stuff alone, uh, I'm gonna see some, some effects from that. You don't need a Mountain Dew or a cheeseburger or fried chicken to take your meds or do your job is all I'm saying. You don't have to have those things. There are other foods, probably better foods for us that we could put in. So what are the varieties of ways to fast? What are all the different varieties? You could do no food at all. Be careful with that one, but you can do that. You could do water only. Uh, protein shakes in place of some or all meals, leave out certain types of food. You could do no breakfast or lunch and maybe only eat dinner. I, I do that kind of a fast a lot. I fast regularly. Uh, most of the time I fast at least one day a week just as a pattern of my life. And a lot of times what I'll do is I'll fast two of those meals. So I'll eat dinner and then eat dinner again. So it's like a 24 hour fast, but I'll fast breakfast and lunch or, or I'll fast another two meals during the day. I do that regularly throughout the week. So I want to encourage you to do that. But it's not just intermittent fasting. And that might have some health benefits for your body depending on how you do that. But I'll be honest with you, this isn't just, I'm going to stop eating. Remember, it's giving up something and replacing it with something else. That's an important component because if you only just stop eating for a week, it's really nothing more than a diet. That's nothing. And hey, your body, will, you'll probably get some benefit there. That's great. But we're trying to hear from God here this week too. We're trying to make it a spiritual opportunity. Again, you can remove non-food things, TV, social media, all those types of stuff. There's so many different variations. We don't have time to talk about it. In its essence, fasting is simply this, giving up what I want to get what I need. I'm gonna give up something I want so I can get something I need. God never intended us to only live a natural life. He has great plans for us. Our hope this week is that we, we will join together 
in a week of prayer and fasting and God will show up in your life in really, really big ways. I can't wait. Every single year, every single time we fast as a church at the end of the week, I hear stories of God showing up and answering things and healing people and, and helping people strip away addictions. Don't miss out on this week. Anybody can do anything for a week. I wanna challenge you, fast this week. The details of how you do it, it's up to you. All of us can give something that we want for something we need. The details are up to you, but just do it. So tonight, I wanna remind you again, we have a great opportunity. We're gonna to come together for a night of prayer and fasting. That starts at 6 p.m. tonight, here in the building, right here. We even have childcare provided for four and under. Everyone else, as far as the other ages of your children, and I do it too, bring them in here with you. It's a great opportunity. Worship God with your family. Hold your young one's hand. Lead them into the presence of God with you. Show them what that's like. I love worshiping God with my family. I can't wait tonight to have my, my wife and I will be sitting right over here. All my children will be with us. They're not serving in some other capacity. And, and we'll be here worshiping and praising God. And we're excited about that moment. We can't wait for it. Six o'clock tonight. And then we have morning prayer Monday through Friday at 6.30 a.m. We're gonna have some more worship and prayer and Saturday at 9 a.m. Why do we do it every day? And there's something about accountability with each other and there's something about coming together and seeing God move corporately together. If you can make it every single time, I'd encourage you to do it. If you know that you can't because of work or some other schedule, I wanna encourage you to still fast or pray during that time or some other time during the week. Don't give up on it, you can do it. So now's the time for the prayer card. I wanna talk about this for a minute. If you could grab this from under the seat, if you're sitting on it or sitting it next to you, maybe you put it in your purse, dig it out for a second. There's a pen in front of the chair in front of you, grab it out. What we're gonna do is we are going to pray and we're gonna ask God what it is that he wants us to write on this card. If you don't know already, what we're gonna do every single time during our prayer, our time of prayer, a worship and prayer, these mornings that are coming up, is these cards, after we write something on them, are gonna be scattered all over the stage right here in front of us. And what happens is every single morning, somebody will come up and they'll grab a stack of these cards, they'll turn them over and they'll see all the prayer requests and they'll pray over them one by one by one until they're finished. And then they come and they put that stack down and they grab a whole nother stack. And there's tons of people in this room praying again and again after the prayer requests that you're about to write down. Imagine multiple people praying intentionally for something that you're praying about, you're fasting about, you're walking in humility. Can I tell you, if you read just the next verse in Ezra, it says that God showed up to his people and that he moved in a powerful way and helped them have a safe journey. I believe that for your life. I believe that for your life this week, that the things that we're gonna pray about, the things that God's gonna move in your life, that you're gonna get an answer to, that you're gonna get clarity on, that he's not gonna leave you hanging, but he's gonna show up and he's gonna move in power in your life. It all starts with what we're gonna write down on this card. Make it intentional. So for just a minute, we're gonna pray. We're gonna kinda just move in quiet and we're gonna ask God to tell us what he wants us to write on this card. So let's just take a minute. Maybe you close your eyes. Maybe you bow your head. You just kind of listen to the music in the background. And you ask God, God, what is it I need on this card? What is it you want to tell me? 
What direction are you wanting me to go in? Maybe it's physical healing. Maybe you're facing something big and you need him to move. You need his power in your body. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe your spouse doesn't know Jesus. And every day you get up and you fast or you pray and you think, God, when is that week going to be where he comes, she comes, and they join me? Write that down. And you're literally going to have hundreds of people praying and fasting and humbling ourselves, believing that that moment is going to come in your life this week. Pray that it does. I want it to for you. Father, I pray that you would speak to people right now. You move in their life, move in their hearts, Father. Thank you. So we close this time of prayer. I just want to encourage you that this is the moment that as we get ready to pray right now at the end of the service, it might be the moment where you just humble yourself. You repent. You go to God. You tell him, hey, I need you to work in my life. Would you join me in prayer? Father, come before you right now. God, I thank you for every single person that's here in this room and worshiping with us online. God, we right now just lay our lives down at the foot of your throne, at the foot of the cross, Father. We thank you, God, that you are the king of the world. We thank you, Lord, that you are right here. You are right here with us, but you're also watching over every step that we take in our lives. Maybe you just need to make that move, that posture of your heart. We talked about pride being a sin of the heart, a sin of attitude. Maybe just the posture of your life is one where you need to lay your life down for just a moment right now. Say, God, you know how the truth is? I don't have all the answers. I don't always know the right way to go, but I know that you do. Help me to walk in humility. Help me to fast this week. Help me to take a step toward you. Maybe you're here this morning and it's just that first step you need to take. Maybe you've never made Jesus your king. Maybe you never made him your Lord. Maybe you've never committed to living your life for him. I mean, to be honest with you, in all reality, that's a position of pride. It says God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Can I tell you, you want God's grace in your life? Life is hard enough without God in it. When you put God in it, he speaks to you, he's there with you, he puts his arm around you, he comforts you. Maybe you're here today and you just need the comfort of God. You, you need him to be there right with you every step of the way. Who knows what we're all facing? The first step is to lay down our life and to make him king. I'm gonna pray a prayer. And if that's you, I just want you to repeat that prayer under your breath, but mean it with all of your heart. Say something like this, dear God, I come before you today and I've been going my own way, but I don't want to anymore. I lay my life down. I trust in you, Jesus. I believe in what you did on the cross was enough. I don't have to work for it anymore. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of the things that I've done wrong. I put my trust and my faith in you. I believe that I have a new way coming in my life. 
I make you my king. I make you my Lord. I thank you, God, for every single thing that you've ever done in my life and will continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for all those that made that decision.